going to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Welcome to the program. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. I am your host, Joey Clark. Thank you so much for listening. And alongside me on this Friday night. Friday night, it was late. I was walking you home. We got down to the gate and I was dreaming of the night. It's 84 and then my lip-syncing brother, Will. How you guys doing? Pretty good, man. Just, you know, Friday night. Now, this was your idea, Will? Oh, yeah. You like this song? I listened to it a little bit too much. You're into LRB? Oh, yeah. Little River Band? 100%. So, what, how did you learn about Little River Band? Well, I think it was Dad, but I, I rediscovered it because of Will Ferrell and the other guys. Possibly one of the most <laughs> underrated comedies of the past 10 years. Those two Hilarious. together. Those two together are great. And I, you've seen some of the videos, right, 84, where they do like the insult off or the dad jokes back and forth? Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so good together because they seem like complete opposites. They really do. Yeah, when Mark Wahlberg yells, it's probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Something about his comedic delivery, yelling like that, is just perfect. It's that roid rage. Yeah. <laughs> no, I saw a report. Some doctor came out and was naming all these athletes and like some WWE wrestlers like Roman Reigns. He also said Mark Wahlberg took roids from me. And of, all these guys are denying it. Maybe the doctor's trying to make a name for himself. But um, And I love Mark Wahlberg. I, I really do. too. Yeah, what's wrong with Marky Mark? I don't know. He he really does. He has a wonderful sense of humor, and he does have a great delivery. That's the thing. When the, I've, <laughs> I saw one just like last week with him and Will Ferrell, and I it, I just laughed until I just about cried. Well, Will Ferrell is such a gem. He is like I I go back and I'm like, how many things has that guy made? That make me laugh so hard, like short little skits, cowbell. More cowbell, like okay, yeah. The cheerleading skit. The cheerleading skit. His his audition for SNL was him going up <laughs> on stage. It, like he's not big Will Ferrell. He's just some guy trying to make it. So he decides what I'm going to do to impress Lorne Michaels is to go up on stage and with cat toys and pretend to be a cat. <laughs> and it's hysterical. He's like yeah, hit, hitting like thing, like looking around all of a sudden. Uh, and I know that's not translating well to the radio audience, but it's so funny. And then Elf is a Christmas classic now. Oh, yeah. It's something that I was actually skeptical about. I was like, oh, no, Will Ferrell's going to do a Christmas movie. It's not going to be funny. It was hilarious. One of my favorite Christmas movies of it, all it's, time. It's, it's gaining some traction on Christmas Vacation. It, it is. Really, it's, it's, it's something there. that we now... Come Christmas time, we have to watch at least, yes. you know, four to seven times. And then Farrell has some, like, just 
comedy classics just to his name that he hold like Talladega Nights, Anchorman, Step Brothers is freaking hilarious. Oh, yeah, like, uh, old school is one that gets left out of the conversation often, but he's fantastic. Let's <laughs> you're my boy Blue. <laughs> I always streaking down the street. And there's something about Will Ferrell with his clothes off that's just comedic gold. He's got this dough body that's very, very funny. And he was just on uh, that, that show with Jerry Seinfeld, the comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah, yeah. And I watched that episode recently, and he talks about how he works really hard just to be fat. Apparently, he works out a good bit just to have that shape that we find so funny. We think it's like, oh, he doesn't work very hard. <laughs> <laughs> then he stole the show, and he's bounded down. Did you ever catch that show? It was on, I think, HBO uh-uh. with Danny McBride. If, oh, it was, if it was on HBO in the last 25 years, I hadn't seen it. There's this, I don't know if it's safe for radio, but there's an outtake scene where he's like, I can feel it down in my plums. And like, they can't keep a straight face as he's trying to say it seriously. And then David McBride cannot keep a straight face. And what is it? Uh, Robinson, Craig Robinson. Um, he's so good. I'm, I'm sitting here now in this mood of like, I feel so good. I'm very happy with how this show's turning out because somebody left a comment today. So I told folks, ratings are going great. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I'm surprised by the fact that I'm number one with women because I didn't go, I'm going to reach the women in the audience. You're already giving me this incredulous you know, look. Why would you be surprised at that, Joey? Because I'm a neurotic mess. Well, speaking of SNL, you are... I've seen you in yeah. your jacket with your corvassier. Yeah. You are the ladies' man. I'm not a ladies' man. No, Will can attest to this fact. I'm yeah, not. I was quite surprised. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's a brother going to say? I'm not, I mean, when he told me, I was like, I could see how other people might see that. I don't. But you know what? It, it makes somewhat of sense, but it's a very carefully crafted public persona. As soon as you meet me in person, you're like, oh. <laughs> That's Joey? <laughs> well, no, Seth Spotlow, who I've had on the show all the time, says, Dude, you look nothing like your Facebook photo. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't, like, I just took a picture of myself up here in the studio. I didn't make, make a face, like... I don't so, know. You and I tend to do that face. Do I think it's face? genetic. Yeah, the little puffy lip kind of thing. We don't mean to do it. We both do it, checking our hair it's in the morning. It's not duck like, face. Mm-hmm. It's not duck face. It's halfway there. Yeah, it's like platypus hey, face. Yeah, I would call it duck face. Yeah, it's probably duck face. You yeah. just y'all just have tiny lips. I do think I'm getting better looking. <laughs> y'all with say, age. Y'all tiny lips same, and all. Y'all have the same hair pattern too. Neither one of y'all can grow la- a beard. You know we cannot. <laughs> well, my beard's starting to come in slowly. Will doesn't even. Will doesn't even have sideburns. No, I do not. I Bless ask him to square heart. my sideburns off every time. <laughs> Hey, you need to go back to the 80s and go straight over the ear. Straight. Oh, See, that was, we had that advantage back in the 80s. You just straight. Kim. All right, I might try the kim next time I go yeah. get a haircut. Kim. The kim. Yeah. Kim. And then that way you can feel fine because you have to shave just that little tiny patch. Oh. <laughs> I've already got a baby face. I try to get a little bit of a square sideburn going on, so it's like, yeah, there's something there. No, but looking at Joey, it's just depressing because he's almost 30, and that's what I've got to hope for by the time I'm almost 30. Right. It's in, not in there. The it doesn't, facial hair. doesn't look like hair that you grow on your face, I'll put it that way. Oh, it, really? It's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Joey's just, got the A beard. He's got the hair under, like, throat. 
Well, not com- it's not going to the throat. It's right under the chin. I, I, I shave it a little bit. That's right. where it starts at the bottom of your chin and goes down to yeah, your it's throat. Like a little That's billy the Abe. And I just saw a video, by the way, speaking of beards, where and somebody said, "Imagine if the genders were flipped with this." But it's it's actually really hilarious. Very hot girl. She's like a very attractive, and she's walking around doing a selfie, sort of has a selfie stick. And is walking up to unsuspecting guys who have some rocking beards. I mean, well kept, much better than mine. They must use like beard oil and they're just high tea, all sorts of things going on. And she essentially leans in unsuspecting guys and starts massaging the point of their beard on their chin. And the guys' reactions are like, Whoa, what are you what are you doing? Most of them are like, What in the world? is going on here and somebody commented what if the gender were flipped in this script would it be funny and that's not my reaction i thought it was a funny video like get a stick out of your butt you pull what well oh, men are so put upon these days it'd be funny if a woman had a beard and he went up and stroked her beard she'd probably be fine with there's it. some bearded <laughs> ladies out there if you rub a woman's beard you might become president. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Let's go back to Little River Band and talking Will Ferrell. Oh, oh I can't believe you just laid that dud out there. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> for shame. Shame. For shame, 84. I don't want to kick you out of the studio again. That sort of humor is uncalled for. We never do that on these airwaves. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Will, a little-known fact about you <laughs> is um, that you can do voices, right? Yes, I can. What's your favorite voice to do? Probably Smeagol. Smeagol. So Gollum. Or, go- or Gollum for the less educated. Gollum from The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, I don't pull out a lot, and it creeps Caroline out. She doesn't Would like you it. like to creep out the audience? Sure, sure. absolutely. Yeah, pull okay. it out. All right, hold on one second. All right, well, here it is. Stupid fat horses. They stole it from us. Oh, yeah. Was that Smeagol complaining about the ring being stolen while trying to you know, make a bowel movement? That is a good guess. <laughs> that that was, was pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. damn good. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, there's only a few lines. There's some stuff that's really, really hard to do. Andy Serkis put a lot of work into that voice, and he yeah. got the inspiration for the, the gum part of it from his cat. His cat was hocking up a hairball, hair <laughs> yeah. and so he decided to make that into a just kind of a staple of his voice yeah i I don't want to put you on the spot but do you remember the scene hey believe it or not i'm a big lord of the rings it's an incredible story that taps into all sorts of things it's a magnificent story yeah we love it uh the scene where he's stealing the bread from who's the the little dude sam this yeah sam yeah and sam grabs him and catches him, yeah. and then Frodo comes around. Yeah, and it's like, what are you doing, Sam? And he's like, Do you remember that scene? What's this? Crumbs on his jackets. Turkey. Turkey. Wow, that is very fr- nicely done. <laughs> it's probably less frightening on like just listening to it. Watching you do that is scary as hell. I mean, you have to put on a face. He's not a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. No, and actually that's the thing. When you do voices and you do them well, I do voices, but they're they're cartoon characters. I, like the, I need to learn how like to do Like the Bernie voices. Sanders stuff, and I was doing a yeah. Lindsey Graham that sounded nothing like Lindsey Graham. Yeah. But, like, when you actually get into a character, 
and really want it to be accurate, you do have to become that character. You have to put the face on. Like, have you ever seen Mark Hamill, you know, known as Luke Skywalker, ever seen him do his voice work for the Joker? Mm-mm. It is the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's just him in a recording booth, like, going over the top with, like, the Joker voice and, yeah. like, maniacal laughter. And, like, he becomes the Joker when he does that voice. Yeah. Freaks me out. I guess it's like how we talk with our hands. Yes. And it's it's hard to do inflections and different things if you're sitting still and, you know, sitting up doing something. You've got to get out there. When you say something strong, you you make motions and all. One thing I've found is Donald Trump is very difficult to it. Like, you can do... He can kind of get into it, but he he changes his voice so much. Like when he's speaking, like to a crowd, or when he gets excited and like the press pool. I mean, there's a standard of wrong. I mean, you can do this. It's been a very very stormy afternoon. Very stormy indeed. These stormy waters, these waves overtaking me. Like I mean, but it's not. I've heard a lot of people impersonating Trump, and it's not like Trump perfectly. It's like a caricature, like Alec Baldwin's. It's not that accurate. It's just very funny in terms of its send-up character. And that's if, I don't know. There's some folks who can't laugh at Trump. I think Trump's hysterical. I love him. And I think I think Trump is a type person. He communicates as much when he's not making any noise, mm. when he's doing his scowl or he's <laughs> shaking his head or what have you. And then... When he opens up and speaks, he doesn't bust into something. He just, he's, I guess, kind of got a calm voice. It's always Mm -hmm. lower. You never hear his voice get real high unless he's trying to talk over a crowd that's cheering for him or something. Right, right. And he just does the okay sign. You know, that's, you know, pinching the forefinger and the thumb, and he's pointing without being too intimidating if you point and I think that's just a communication skill that he's picked up on he probably would be all out there wild he's probably picked that up over time with the way the business he's done and all to hold himself back to keep from strangling somebody so yeah well and I'm thinking I heard earlier today the supercut of Trump saying I love the Bible more than anybody else. I know trade better than anybody else. It's like a supercut of him saying, I am the best at everything. I have the greatest words, the best words. I have the best brain. I went to the best schools. And it's just over and over and over again. I remember an early cut when it was still primary season. And... Uh, and it's like going through Mike Huckabee and Marco Rubio and all these folks saying their usual stump speech. And it ended with Trump going, I'm very rich. <laughs> it's, it's how Trump is so matter of fact, so from shoots from the hip that I, I think that's his appeal. And it's, I don't mind Trump's style. I, I might disagree with him on, for instance, the issue of trade. And we've had those arguments over, like, free trade, protectionism, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I am still baffled by this critique of Trump, often from the left, of, like, he's upsetting all these traditions and our way of speaking. And it's just so seems, what? I don't, that's not, that's the only thing I really love about him, is that he is this sort of bull in a china shop. I think that's refreshing. 
I appreciate a guy that's going to say we're going to bomb the shaving cream out of somebody as opposed to, well, we're assessing our kinetic uh, capabilities on the ground with our partners. And we'll use every diplomatic area we can to try to prevent having any altercation. Trump says, hey, I got a button too, Jack. Mine's bigger than your button, and my button works. Well, and at least that's forceful and <laughs> yeah. funny compared to we all options are on the table. What the hell does that mean, all options are on the table? This banal it euphemism. means you have not made a decision is what that means. Well, it's a, it's a nice way of saying we might nuke you. So, okay, I have a button, all options are on the table. It's the same thing. We might nuke you. It's been the basis of U.S. security for, you know, 60, 70 years. It's just people being comfortable with guessing what a politician means and then someone being uncomfortable with guessing what Trump means. Yeah. And, I mean, he, it's something John Hales, who I went to school with, told me. He said, Trump, no, he wasn't talking about Trump. This was the 2012 election. And he said, Romney can kind of big boy somebody. That was John's term. Can you big boy somebody? Can you kind of just, without saying much, without telegraphing it, show that you're dominant in a situation? Like, you're the one under control, the most confident, blah, 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 blah. And Trump just exudes that. Even when you don't think he's correct, you can tell he's very confident in what he's saying. I have not seen him completely flabbergasted in a situation. I've seen him go, oh, okay, I, the gear's turning in his head. Like, I don't, I don't know quite the answer to this question. But you can see that he'll quickly come up with something to divert. Like, I, he's in his element when he's surrounded by these reporters trying to get him. And, yeah, he says things that get him in trouble occasionally. But I, I don't know. The critique of his style is not what gets me going at the end of the day. I, I, I just look at it and go, come on, guys. It's called presidential derangement syndrome. It's not just Trump derangement syndrome. I think it's really got going under W. That if you are in the opposite party of the president, you're going to be uncharitable, a little hysterical, Whatever the president's doing that day is going to ruin your day. It's not healthy. Don't rent out your mind to the guy running the country. Like, there's other beautiful things in life. Like, I don't know, Will, you're not that politically active. You're not constantly listening to political news. Sure. That must be a wonderful life. Yeah, it's not too bad. What do you do other than that? Well, it creeps into everything else. Like I said, I listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, primarily Joe Rogan. Mm -hmm. He's just got a wide range of topics, and that's what's interesting. I don't want to listen to... Just politics? Just politics. It's, it's, first off, it's hard to follow. It's getting more polarized in every single media outlet. I just read the headlines, and it's clearly one way or the other. Right. And you try to look at something maybe... Reuters or maybe BBC will have a neutral opinion on things and I'll, I'll read articles that seem like it's not obviously tilted in one way and try to get a perspective on it. But outside of that I, I try to get up to date on current affairs in the world outside of this country yeah. as far as Elon Musk are basically the closest thing we're going to get to Tony Stark. <laughs> right. You know, he, him sending uh, Falcon Heavy up into the skies probably later next week. It's I mean, a it's, rocket of him. Yeah, it's it's Three of the Falcon 9s strapped together. 27 independent engines, 5 million pounds of thrust. Whew! That's and a the, lot of thrust. That's a lot of thrust. And the only thing that he's sending up in the cargo, which is capable of 140,000 pounds of cargo, is his new Tesla Roadster sports car, propped up on a sweet <laughs> mount, and that's all he's sending up there. Wow. I mean, he's, he's Tony Stark. Yeah, I mean, Musk is... 
Musk has to deliver on a lot of these things, but you know, people mocked him when he started doing the electric car, and now almost every major car maker is coming out with some electric model. And uh, it's, I think it's probably the future, especially apparently with electric, you can get more torque early. So it, it's a great that Tesla just came out with a semi truck. Um, that for the time being will be you know human operated. They're trying to work on automated driverless cars, but th- these electric semis apparently can outperform uh, you know your traditional diesel with the reliability and just they don't break down as much. And I was like, well, that's remarkable. And he's got some project where they're trying to build like underground fast lanes in Los Angeles instead of trying to dig up a big subway tunnel or do a hyperloop underground it's like on the side of the road you pull into a skate with your car and it drops down like an elevator and then the skate just goes on an electric track and it's remarkable like who is this man coming up with all this junk it's incredible and that's the stuff that gives me hope in the future could go horribly wrong but that's what's funny about i think our modern culture is like ah the internet's not fast enough why isn't netflix loading we're like a few years ago that didn't even exist let alone run that quickly and we get mad when it doesn't work i get mad too i'm not blaming other people but like we want things to work and we bitch and moan when they don't and somehow when we do those things, the products get better and better and better. It's a wonderful world we live in. Technology is changing so much. I, I remember, and I'm not that much older than you are. What, I've got you by about 15 years, maybe a little bit, 17 or so. How old are you, Will? 25. 25, all right, I'm 44, so I got you by 19. Uh, I remember having a laptop computer and looking at it like it was you know, a seven-carat diamond going, wow, what is this? Right. I mean, because the computer yeah. that we actually had just gotten computers, but, I mean, the the, the gum thing was as big as that file cabinet over there. I mean, you're talking five feet. Yeah. Like yeah I mean, huge. it was, I mean, it was huge and, you know, had the green screen and all that. I mean, that's, that's how much has changed since the early nineties. And, and my, my roommate came home one night <clears throat> and when I was at Auburn and he said, Clay, come here, come here, look at this. You're not going to believe this. And it was still, I think this was a black and white screen. And he, he did all this punch and he goes, this is the world wide web right here. He says, I'm playing chess with a guy in China right now. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. He was like, no, seriously, dude. He's in China. And when you turned it on, it did the old... Yeah. You know, the whole... But, I mean, that was that new at that time. I was like, that's the craziest thing. I'm like, email? What is email? That's like a CB radio. Well, that crap will go away in about two years. Well, Will uh, and I grew up with, at school, we still had the old Apple computers with the big floppy disks and the yeah, Oregon Trail, now, the original. Yeah, we Commodore had, 64 right. is the old computer. I'm saying that my point is we still lived a childhood that wasn't reliant on having a little screen in front of us. Mm-hmm. We still went out and played. We played sports. We would had to use our imagination. And, and there were days where it's like, how much can we dig with this stick? Yeah. 
Like, really? There was? Yeah. After school care. We yeah. created like canyons in the hillside with a stick. Right. I don't know why it's so fascinating, but it's like, yep. What is it about little kids, especially little boys, that just want to like dig in the dirt? Progress. Yeah. I don't know. That's like, probably it. I don't know. We played a game. Wait, well, there, there were two games. One was see who can fly the farthest, and one was see who could jump the farthest. Hmm. The jump the farthest. We had a our front porch on our house was about it, well, it's about four foot off the ground, and we had a uh, one of those little three wheeler deals that hmm. you pedal. Mm-hmm. The, I can't remember what you big call wheels. those. Yeah, big wheel. Yeah, yeah. And you would get on one end, and you would pedal it as fast as you could, and just run off the end, and just see where you hit the ground. <laughs> and that's where the that's where the mark was made. And then who can fly the farthest? We would get on the roof of the house and run and jump. Oh, that stuff's still around. And man. where you landed, your body print in the earth. You would mark it to see who could jump the farthest. Well, we had roommates not too long ago, four years ago at the house we are living at. The roof was close enough to the backyard pool. Now, if you missed, you'd probably break your leg. But I had roommates that love, oh, I'm going to get up on the roof and jump into the pool from it. Like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> they came up with a whole game where they would take empty beer cans uh, and have them in the pool. And then somebody would have to put the beer, the box that all the beer cans came in. Like on top of their head, like a knight's helmet, and stand on the end of the diving board. And they would see who could last the longest being pelted by empty beer cans. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting out back one day watching this happen, going, What are y'all doing? How much <laughs> beer have you drank? Well, enough to have several empty boxes, but yeah, just when people, are, especially guys, are left to their own devices, we do some stupid crap. Well, we, we were stone sober. We were like 9, 10, 11. <laughs> well, but that's the that. funny thing is when you're a kid, you don't need any to be intoxicated. <laughs> right. You just do wacky stuff. And when you're an adult, you got to get rid of those inhibitions somehow. Yeah, you do You do think about more things, though, yeah. you get. Well, let's go to the phones. Why don't we? No, we got a few phone calls. Let's talk to James. Hey, James, what's up, man? Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, you, you brought up something I was listening to. And yeah. I, several years ago, I worked for um, in the film industry, and I worked for James Earl Jones. Mm. That was his, uh, I guess, my title. The credits were assistant, too. And um, we would uh, go places and, you know, wherever. And that voice of his um, was such a unique... We, would, we went into... Uh, we were in Louisiana working on a film with Robert Duvall, and um, we went into the uh, movie uh, uh, theater to the uh, rent the uh, films or whatever I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were walking around, and he and I would talk. You know, what are you going to get? Are you going to get? You know, we chit chat. Well, these two young ladies were working at the counter, and they just so happened to have Star Wars on. I was on the television playing in the and uh, they were I, I started noticing because they were looked perplexed they would see you know uh, Darth Vader would talk and then all of a sudden me and James Earl would talk and and they started looking around and uh, it was quite a when we went to check out because he you know he did his own check out I didn't have to do you know I didn't pamper him but he did what he wanted to do and we were up there checking out and Yes, I'll take these. And those young ladies were just, and they said, 
you're a sky. I mean, you're a Darth Vader, and he, you know, he wasn't. He was a very down to earth fellow. He said, "Ah, oh, yes, I have been in the movies." But um, <laughs> you know, the the thing that got me one day we were we were traveling to um, we were in Louisiana, and that uh, the, I forget the commissioner of baseball had just just died. And it was getting the World Series, and they wanted him to do the... They were going to do a tribute. So we had to go to a recording studio, and they did the... Uh, um, they did voiceover, and, and we were, you know, going down through there and talking about stuff. And he said, uh, uh, guess what I made for Darth Vader? Hmm. And I said, uh, you mean you're paying? He said, yeah. And I, you know, I assumed it was... You know, six hundred million dollars. I don't know. Yeah, right. I don't have a clue. He made scale. The first Darth Vader movie or his first appearance uh, was fifteen hundred dollars. Wow! Because that, was, that was it. Because he got scale, and scale was a day. Yeah. It really, actually, wasn't a day. It was about. I think he said it took him about six hours wow. to do the back and forth, and um, so he got fifteen hundred dollars. And then he said, but I got a little bit more than that. I didn't say, well, how much more? You know, but um, it was quite a unique experience being with someone, you know, just being there. But, yeah, because it's but, such a, it's a character, it's a voice, you know. Like, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking Mufasa is James Earl Jones. Yeah, that's how I was introduced to him, yeah. And yeah. then, of course, went back and watched Star Wars. But, yeah, he's in so well, many things. We were in a, uh, we were in uh, Hanville, Louisiana. Hmm. Filming at a uh, sugar plant, I mean a sugar cane plantation, and there was a little uh, filling station that we frequented there by the uh, plantation. And one afternoon we were in there, we were leaving, going back, we were staying in New Orleans, and uh, we were standing there checking out. And of course, he brought his drinks and whatever. And there's a person came in, and he had been consuming quantities of some other thing other than Pepsi-Cola. Mm -hmm. And uh, he got to staring at him, and um, he kept looking at him, and he would kind of, you know, how drunk people do, and he kept looking at him, and he kept looking at him, and he kept looking at him, and all of a sudden, he had an epiphany. The light came on, and he said, I know who you are. You're Conan the Barbarian's friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and that was so, uh, we laughed and we laughed and we laughed about that. And, he, you know, he was very, you know, very uh, friendly and he always shook hands. And, you, know, you know, perfect well, southern gentleman that he was. He's from Mississippi. Okay. But, um, well, James, and, I, I appreciate you telling us these tales uh, and... Uh, James Earl Jones, I'm sure, was a good guy to get to know. Incredible voice actor. I'm running out of time. i got to hit a break here, man. Oh, go ahead, bud. I, I enjoy listening to y'all. Uh, you're doing a great job. Thank you, James. Thank you. Good stories right there. Yeah, man, it's cool. when I love talking to folks who meet larger-than-life figures because of their work, especially in the arts, and when those people are cool. Like, the, the big names, these larger-than-life figures are actually very down-to-earth. Uh, had uh, D'Anthony Turner in here. Uh, works on jams. Deant, uh, 
was is on the last episode of season one of Atlanta, Donald Glover's show. Okay. And they had this back and forth between him and Donald Glover on the show in character. And then afterwards, Donald invited him to just have lunch. And he said he gave him all this advice, was just the coolest, most down-to-earth guy. And you've got to worry when people find the success, they can take advantage of people. And that's in part what the whole Me Too thing is about, especially in regards to Hollywood, is when you have all this power and success and notoriety, you don't play by the same rules as everybody else. And you shouldn't abuse those rules. So I love when I hear, oh, that famous person's pretty cool. And I'm sure the guys in the Little River Band never abuse their power. No. (laughs) Definitely not. Does the Little River Band even have groupies? I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do, too. Were you a groupie for the Little River Band for LRB? Give us a call, 272-9228. Because <laughs> that's a great topic. Uh, let's, let's hit a break here. You're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. 84 is in studio. Alongside my brother Will. Will Clark. We'll be right back. Requested by 84. Now, I got to give it away, though. You initially requested Millie Vanilli. I have an eclectic range of music that I like. See, ACDC's the band whenever I'm like, oh. I've been listening to too much, uh, like, soft soul and these sort of things. And I want to feel, like, instant testosterone through the years. Like, ACDC. Oh. This is where you're standing at the door, getting ready to come onto the court, and you're waiting. The coach is holding you back, and you're getting ready. Yeah. And then, well, I actually ready. performed this song in front of our high school. Like we Check put out. it together, it was damn good too. Like we killed it. Like, and we had a like a power strip because we didn't have a lighting guy. So I'm back there with a power strip with like strobe lights and hooked in also UV lights, and which each like thunder. I was hitting it on and off, thunder. The like flashing on and off. We had all the gym lights out. Oh, it was great. And I I tried to sing like that, like Brian Johnson. Now, I don't know if I nailed it. Nah, we just had like flashlights. And somebody would smoke a bunch of cigarettes. That would be the smoke that would be coming out of the well, it's, hall when we run out. It's like, you can't, like, but I'm thinking of how that guy sings. Didn't he hurt his vocal cords? Yeah. I think I do remember something about that. Didn't he, like, blow them out? Yeah, he had a big accident with it or something. That I, I can't remember exactly what happened. It's almost like when somebody does a falsetto, he's doing that, but then straining it. Like, like he's going up. It's crazy. Yeah, he's screaming yeah. through a falsetto is basically kind of what it sounds like. I mean, so it sounds, it like sounds I might be wrong, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, with that, that basic rock beat and simple chords, but just placed correctly. And some good manly lyrics. Gotta love ACDC. That and then uh, Metallica is straight testosterone, too. Oh, yeah. Adrenaline right to the veins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the what is it the album the black album Enter Sandman and all that 
I don't know the name of it. That may that be album, it. That album, Sabatru. Yeah, Inner Sandman is, is about the best song. That album got there. ruined for me because our coach, uh, Catholic Tim Trokey, played it every pregame in the locker room. So, like, game six, oh, God. Metallica again? I know you grew up as a huge Metallica fan, Tim Trokey. Coach, sorry. Um, but, <laughs> you know, can we get something else that's high adrenaline? Uh, high octane? Now, fun fact, and I didn't realize this till last night, and get, get to ask you about it, first time we're really talking about it. Will, you're going on a trip? Yeah, yeah, going out to California. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Have you ever been to California? Before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, junior year of high school took a road trip around the country, oh, okay. and we drove down through California. Didn't really see a ton of it. Only stopped in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, but this trip, Caroline and I are going to San Diego to visit one of her best friends who lives in San Diego and we're going to do I think we're going to some concert the first night and then the second day uh, it's really on my prompting of this request, we're going to take a day trip to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Because as you know, and you're probably this way too, I'm, I've become a huge comedy nerd. Yeah, like yeah. And in Los Angeles, on Sun- Sunset Boulevard, is the comedy store. You're going to the store. The store. It's the mecca of comedy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's owned and operated by Mitzi Shore, who is actually Polly Shore's mom. <laughs> yeah, and you know, some of the greats <laughs> go through there. That's a name I hadn't heard, and I, I know. don't know when. Polly Shore, I, I had only heard of him in from the Goofy movie. He was that, uh, the Leaning Tower of Chisa. Yeah. That guy. <laughs> And his mom <laughs> runs the store, and, and some of the greatest names in comedy have come through there and still come through there. Yeah. I mean, some of the lineups this week are Dane Cook, Eliza Schlesinger, you know, Bill Burr goes through there. I'm hoping to see Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any tour dates set for that weekend, so I'm hoping he's just going to show up at the store. Nice. Which, Put in word for me if you see him. I, I, I mean, would, don't be obnoxious about it. I mean, I'm going to try not to fanboy out, but it, it it's going to be tough. He's a short guy. Yeah, he's my height. Really? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for calling you short. Well, that's all right. I'm not that sorry, but no, I can sorry. Tell. I can tell. Yeah. But, you know, it's just that is going to be, that is, you know, Caroline and a bunch of my friends, they're, they're really into the concert scene, and I understand that going to concerts is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But for me, after seeing Brian Regan live in Montgomery a few years ago, going to a comedy show was unbelievable. You can watch comedy specials on Netflix, and they can be funny. But when you're there, yeah, it's, it's a, gut laughing. Yeah. It's just uncontrollable. Yeah, there's something about live music, live comedy, live whatever, where it, it becomes like it really does become an event where you, you share it with other people, like something in the air. I don't know if it's chemical or whatever, but it is different than watching, say, Dave Chappelle on Netflix. Hopefully, yeah. Dave stops by. You know, it's possible because the second special he's he filmed was in the belly room at the comedy store. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, that'd be oh, I'm jealous. I'm very, I'm turning green over here with envy. Well, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, <laughs> it should be a lot of fun. And I hear Los Angeles is, uh, as a city at large, is not the great of a place. Well, yeah, you get that many people together, it's not, right. not going to be that great. It's a little crazy. But here, let's go back to the phones because we have people being very patient. Let's go to Andrew, the Raider King. How you doing, guys? I'm oh, doing great. How you doing, man? Doing well. Look, if you're going out to Los Angeles, Make sure you stop in at uh, Felice and get a get a authentic uh, French dip for everybody, and tell us how great it is. Okay, definitely will. Felice, oh, yeah. all right. Felice, they're the original French dip, and you've got Dantana's out there if you want steak and Italian food. So hit that up for us. Do not get in a fight with Joe Rogan; he will kill you. <laughs> I wouldn't dare. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, uh, the reason I was calling is you were talking about uh, the stupid things that guys do when we're left to our own devices. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, and this fake, this really proves why Leonardo DiCaprio is probably the smartest man on the planet is he never got married. <laughs> That's the, thing I the dumbest thing guys ever do. We get married? <laughs> and then you just spend the rest of your life trying to please one person. They're never friggin' happy for more than 10 seconds. Wait, are you married now? Oh, yeah. Does <laughs> your wife listen? Apparently, uh, no. <laughs> well, probably does, but it's not like this is anything she's never heard before. <laughs> I'm not one of those husbands who's ever surrendered. I've been fighting for 15 years, so. Whoa. Uh, oh, yeah. Good, but, um, good luck. But from my point of view, women are like uh, uh, that little, uh, what's her from, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. You know, she's happy for all 10 seconds and, Daddy, I want a pony. Yeah, that's, you know. God, wow. Nice. We're going to find out Andrew the Raider King's real name Monday when yeah. the, the thing comes out in the paper on new divorces. <laughs> yeah. I think somebody heard about your ratings and is going after yeah. everybody. Well, uh, ladies, if you want to you know, correct yeah. Andrew or 27298228. Oh, but hey, bring it, ladies. I'm not scared of y'all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, God, yeah, you got to complain as much as y'all do over every little trivial thing. Uh, you really have nothing to complain about. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. But, also, you guys brought up podcasts that you don't like. You don't like a lot of them because you seem very left-wing. Correct? Well, it depends. The, the podcast world is pretty diverse. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's just a lot of times it's just people just talking about whatever they want to talk about. Right. Well, okay. Uh, well, I'm like, most of the ones I listen to are more history-based than they yeah. are. Like, I, I can't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast too much unless it works because it's just two guys that, going back and forth. Like, I listen to, obviously, Mike Duncan, Dan Carlin, and yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for having me. Um, and history of crime, uh, organized crime I'm involved with a little bit. You know, and those are good shows for you. Well, and if you can't catch this show live, I do put it up on SoundCloud, just under the Joey Clark Radio Hour. But I will tell you that, you know, Dan Carlin comes on to Joe Rogan's podcast, so that might kind of change how you view it. Oh, I have no problem. You know, been loving to death. But I wish you all the best. I will see you all later. Later. thanks. Later. Man, he threw down the gauntlet. He's coming at the women. And honest to goodness, I mean, seriously, I cannot disagree with him anymore. Then I could disagree with anybody else. I'm married. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got married when I was 22 years old. Yeah, we know you're the luckiest man on earth. I get and, it. Well, <laughs> no, I don't. I mean, it's not just that. I like being married. And yes, yeah. it does suck. Uh, about 50% of it sucks. But <laughs> being single, how much does that suck? Oh. About half the time, at least. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I get lonely well, at night. You yeah. might as well have a suck life with somebody beside you than <laughs> being by yourself and having a suck life. Fair Definitely. enough. You know? Definitely. It's give and take. I love being married and having youngins. <laughs> oh, it's always something new every day. You wake up every morning just wondering, okay, What's going to happen today? You have no clue. You don't have to make plans. They provide the entertainment. Yeah, yeah, it's like somebody's going to break their arm. Somebody's going to get, uh, you know, a nine-inch cut on the side of their face or what have you. So it's it's a lot of fun. I, I can see where you get a lot of your humor now. 
This doesn't all just come from you. Sometimes you laugh to keep from crying, Joey. Oh, I, I know that <laughs> feeling. Yeah. Let's not get too personal here, though. Let's go back to the phones and talk to Debbie. It's a lady. Oh, my. Hi. Misery loves company is what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're torturing us in the process. Oh, my God. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was going to say I got to see ACDC grad night at Walt Disney World. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, yes. And talk about... They the rocked energy. out the Magic Kingdom, or was this at Epcot? They did, right in the middle of it. Oh, it was wonderful. I mean, the crowds were awesome. All grads, you know, we're all hyped up. And they really put on a great performance. And it was underneath the stars, at night, Magic Kingdom. You couldn't have got any better than that, you know? But... Um, Try doing a massage to Metallica. Try doing a... Wait, I'm going to cut massage? the music to that. A massage to Metallica? That sounds like it would be painful, Debbie. Uh, well, the the man wanted it. I tried my best, and it was not easy on my end at all. <laughs> <laughs> the man uh, wanted it. Yes, he did. He brought his own CD. He said, this is what I want you to play during the massage. And I looked at it, and I said, Metallica? He said, I love Metallica. I said, okay. okay. <laughs> now, I'm going to put this as delicately as possible, and I hope you respond in kind. Have you ever had a very inappropriate request as a masseuse? Absolutely. But I usually <laughs> wing them out. I, I weed them out before they ever come, because I'll ask particular questions mm -hmm. on the phone. And you can pretty much guess who is and who isn't. So He's it's a big old pervert, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it can be. It's a dangerous field. It really can be a very dangerous field. Well, you're doing you really God's work, Debbie. Be. Well, I don't do it anymore. I finally retired from that. But, um, yeah, you, you have to really be careful, especially if you don't have an office with, you know, people nearby. You definitely got to be careful. But, uh, anyway... Talking about technology, I want you to just throw yourself back, way back. My father was just a young kid, about seven years old. He was born in 39, okay? Kind of gives you an idea, in the mid-40s. Mm -hmm. He's passing the window of their home, and he sees a painting moving, uh, the, the things inside the painting moving. And it scares him so bad he doesn't want to go in his house. And it was getting dark, and his mom was calling him to come in, and he finally gets brave, and he goes in, terrified of what he had seen through that window. Come to find out, it was the first TV set they ever had in their house. Wow. Yeah, man. Scared by television. Now, think about that. My mother said the first TV she got to see, she got so seasick, so motion sick, she couldn't watch it. She had to turn her back and just listen to it like a radio. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, if you took somebody, say, from just the 1800s, like, the year 1800, plopped them into today with her time machine, they oh, would wow. probably be incredibly frightened by oh, what the yes. world is. Hey, you could take mm -hmm. somebody born in 1950. True. My, my, my uh -huh. daddy, where, yes. where we live, my daddy was born in 1950. He was five years old before they had electricity in their house. <sighs> Yeah, wow. Well, exactly. we didn't have air conditioning when I was a kid in Florida. Uh, I didn't have air conditioning when I was a kid. Mm, and, uh, no. Does this explain the existence of potpourri? Uh, well, <laughs> it, it explains fans, a lot of fans. Yes. yes. Well, Debbie, <laughs> but, thank you so much for the call. I we didn't know any Y'all have a great day. We didn't know we were hot. Yeah. Because you, you were just always hot. just didn't know, yeah. Well, okay. Just... 
You just slept dealt on, with it. Slept on top of the covers in the summertime. In the wintertime, mm-hmm. you turn the space heater on, <laughs> up a, a flame inside your bedroom. That's very <laughs> safe. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're but we've had to use space heaters. Yeah, because the heating and cooling in our old home isn't the best. Big <laughs> ass gas bill this past month. Oh, yeah, I huge. cannot even imagine four hundred something bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but luckily we can split that. Amongst yeah, people. Um, and I think we'll probably be talking about that, won't we, Will? <laughs> probably. Yeah, you're soon. But well, may have to cancel that trip to California to pay the gas. Oh no, 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 definitely not. We can push it back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We don't need any heat. <laughs> we'll just freeze like old times. Well, uh, could I come again, please? Well, I probably will on Monday to the radio station. Come to the radio station, do a show. Thank yeah, you so yeah, much, yeah. folks. For listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour 84, Will, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you, bro.